is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, of the London is Blue podcast. One of your hosts, Dan, here alongside Nick, Brandon, still somewhere enjoying surf, sand, and sun. But that is not enough to stop us from getting together on this. It's the Monday morning of January 2nd in the United States. New year, new problems, new solutions. And we had to bring in Nizar Kinsella, our wonderful friend, to talk about everything that's going on with the chaos in Chelsea at the moment. But Nizar, just first off, before that, Happy New Year. And how are you doing? Yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah, very well, thanks. Um, back on Chelsea uh, watch, really, um, after the World Cup. It felt like a little bit of a work holiday covering a different subject entirely, even though I was covering, you know, your Mason Mounts, your Kai Havertz, all the guys who played out there, um, you know, seeing Aspilicueta play for Spain and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, coming back, you know, to Chelsea, I feel like I'm back in the, in the bread and butter. It's nice to be back in England. It's nice to be back in the cold. Uh, football stadiums we have here not quite spectacular but much better atmospheres and uh, yeah um, yeah a bit of Chelsea winter carnage as usual um, so yeah let's get at it well but before that one top highlight maybe that you didn't talk about yet so far from your time covering the World Cup um, I quite liked of course like the Morocco thing but the Argentina as well uh, seeing them win it and uh, you know speaking to like my Argentinian friends who were there um, they were just like in tears or just really over the top. Like I never seen like a country win the World Cup with my own eyes. So to see what it does to people, um, you just can't help but imagine what it'd be like if your country won it and how how people would react, how crazy they would go. Um, so yeah, certainly like you know, in, England would be carnage if if England ever wins a World Cup ever again, which. I'm losing faith in, to be honest, but uh, yeah, that kind of feeling. Um, it did feel big. It did feel special, but it kind of feels like league football, um, English football, Premier League football. That's the bread and butter. And uh, yeah, you're trying to get your head around the narratives that you uh, forgot about all over again and, and trying to get back into it. Well, let's just get into all the things Chelsea at the moment. Nick, I think the first thing that we want to talk about is the midfield mania. And so maybe do you want to kick it off so that Naz can give us all the, the nitty gritty? Yeah, I feel it's a, a, a particularly poignant subject. So obviously we've seen a need for midfield replacements for uh, quite some time, but recently uh, it seems like the, the rumors around Enzo Fernandez, who was the, uh, World Cup young player of the tournament uh, from Argentina has has kind of kicked off. Uh, are you able to walk us through just kind of the basics here? Uh, how you know Chelsea identified this player beyond you know his performances at the World Cup, uh, and and kind of what you would place odds on right now for this transfer to potentially happen? Well, Enzo Fernandez might seem like a name that's come out of nowhere a little bit, and it sort of has for Chelsea in terms of like transfers. It's not like one who Chelsea were getting linked with before. Um, but in football circles, this is like an extremely well-known player. Um, yeah. You know, this when you look at the lists of like uh, players around Europe, like the values and stuff like that, Enzo Fernandez always came out number one in uh, players outside the top five leagues. So he's seen as the ultimate midfield talent outside the top five leagues, really. So 
Um, yeah, I think it's the problem has always been like Benfica. They're great at selling players. Um, they made huge profits. Liverpool have bought two wings off them recently. Um, you know, for massive amounts of money. Got great money for Darwin Nunes. Didn't mess around there, did they? Um, so they're great sellers, and and I think they make more money than anyone else in terms of selling players. Um, and kind of bringing people in. So, yeah, this is just their bread and butter, this. Um, the new teams are going to come for Enzo Fernandez. Chelsea have come in the strongest now. Um, they've known Man United are interested for some time, um, and, and Liverpool as well have been interested. Um, but, yeah, now Chelsea are in the mix, and, uh, yeah, Chelsea have, have had meetings, gone really strong. I mean, I think the World Cup appearances were important as well because... Sometimes the World Cup, when you're from a lesser league, it shows you what they do against better players. And, and to see him sort of establish himself, um, you know, I was there when he scored a massive goal uh, in the second game for Argentina. He scored an absolute mm-hmm. screamer um, and he was on the bench and then he sort of forced his way into the team based on his performances. Um, so, yeah, it, it kind of, you know, just showed what level he's got uh, against better players. And I think that that sort of, Help Chelsea helps encourage them into it. Of course, Chelsea's owners are quite new as well. Um, they might not have known the market. They've also got sporting directors in now, so they're giving them all this advice about, you know, who to go for. Chelsea's owners were in Qatar, like for a huge amount of the World Cup. Um, they were meeting, you know, when you were in Qatar, there was loads of agents knocking about. It was like a, a festival of, uh, of footballs. It was great for a pre-transfer window, doing a lot of the meetings face to face, which is what the owners did. Um, they also had, uh, you know, Paul Wynn Stanley was over there, one of the new sporting directors. He he was over there helping them do the, some of these meetings. Um, and yeah, Chelsea have had the meetings with Benfica about Enzo, what it would take to sign him. They they would be willing to go as high as the release clause, but the problem is, you know, we can get into this a bit more maybe. But um, yeah, he's, you know, Chelsea are a little bit worried about financial fair play right now. They've spent so much. Um, if you pay that release clause all up front, which is about 105 million, um, maybe you'd end up needing some add-ons as well. Uh, 105 million pound um, that could really, uh, you know, put pressure on Chelsea to sell players, or, or even, you know, you know, UEFA could come calling and and be angry about it. You know, it does happen. Man City have had had problems with it and and uh, had to face the consequences. So. It could happen to Chelsea as well. So, Naz, maybe just from the perspective of Benfica and the player. So, we, we know, just for, for a reminder, for those who forget, there's a Chelsea aspect to this, there's a Benfica part to this, and there's a player and player agent part to this. And all of those individuals have to agree, and some of the agreements are independent between Chelsea and the player, and then some of the agreements are between Chelsea and the club, and all of those have to align to make this happen in addition to finding the right price. How has Chelsea's a pursuit of Fernandez maybe been perceived by Benfica? And what type of willingness, you know, maybe are they having at making this deal happen? Are they accepting that this is a reality that they're gonna lose Fernandez in the summer? And this might be a time to potentially get more or get above the you know above the market price on him right now. Or is it a matter of they they really don't want to let him go? They're going to try their hardest to dig their heels in and not let this happen until the summer. I think they I think they really don't want to let him go. But it's um it's you know the release clause is always lingering over the deal. So if you can get anywhere near that, it might change. And and yeah, you you know if you're trying to spread the cost, which Chelsea are over multiple transfer windows. 
um, then you know that that might mean that you pay more, but at least you're not paying it all up front if you get what I mean. So I think that that's where the negotiations are right now. It's it's a case of you know Chelsea could put up, up about twenty five percent of the transfers, so it might mean spreading the cost over three or four transfer windows. Um, so Benfica could get a bit of the money here and there. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think Chelsea has to make it worth Benfica's while. They don't need money generally. They're not one of those kind of clubs because they're great at selling. Um, so it, it's kind of a case that Benfica knows who they are. They know they're a selling club um, and they would accept letting Enzo Fernandez go. The only thing that might help Chelsea a lot in this situation is that Enzo is really ha- has had his head turned quite a lot by this sort of approach. Um, it looks like he's willing to do what it takes to make the move happen. If, um, if Benfica are worried that he won't play as well. You know, he's on the bench for the last game. Um, and yeah, you know, there's there's been concern maybe that he wouldn't perform that well. So if that continues, then maybe, uh, you know, that could that could help Chelsea a little bit. But um, at the end of the day, I think this one really does come down to money um, and, and how Chelsea sort of structure the deal. Um, and, and I think that that's why you're getting these kind of mixed messages on the updates. I think people are willing it to happen. Um, certainly, Chelsea really want it to happen. Enzo really wants it to happen. Um, you know, even Benfica, if the fee's right, they'll be delighted with the situation. But um, they also know that other teams will come calling as well um, if they wait until the summer. So um, I think that that's sort of where it's at right now. Um, and yeah, I think Chelsea, it kind of remains to be seen if they get it done. That's why sort of alternatives are being lined up as well. Well, I mean, let's talk about the impacts of that though, right? Because... Enzo is seen uh, by many, um, especially you know those on our our show, as kind of the complete midfield talent, able to be physical enough to play in the Premier League, but creative enough to maybe give Chelsea something that you know they haven't had for some time. Maybe since uh, you know someone like Cesc Fabregas left, takes risks, but is physical and athletic enough to make up for losing the ball. Uh, it's it's really a consummate, you know, holistic midfielder uh, in, in a way that, you know, perhaps we haven't had for a while, but we still have midfielders in the team, right? We are still kind of dabbling around what Conte and Jorginho are going to be past this summer when we know both their contracts are up. Uh, we know that uh, Declan Rice has been a long-rumored target for Chelsea, and it just seems maybe a little bit inevitable that there's a big approach this summer and, and Chelsea potentially get their man. Jude Bellingham is the envy of the world right now. And, you know, I think wanting uh, that sort of profile of midfielder, like how does, how does going big for Enzo impact these other situations and scenarios? Because it, it seems like you're not going to be able to get everything that you want out of the scenario potentially. If you go big, yeah, I think it's possible Chelsea could get two of the three sort of big names you mentioned, but I think it's also incredibly hard and, and maybe unlikely as well. Um, you know, Jude as well, especially that you know everything seems to point towards him going towards either Real Madrid or or Liverpool at the minute. Liverpool had long been seen as the favourites, but the takeover going on there might you know sort of open up the race again. Um, Chelsea really wanted to put themselves back in that race. Um, you know, just look at Bellingham. His World Cup performances were as good as Enzo's. It's, it's just his team wasn't as good as Enzo's, maybe in the end. But um, yeah, there's that kind of thing uh, going on there. Um, Chelsea got way up, like you know, it's almost like are they hedging their bets? Are they saying, are we going to go for Enzo because we know no one else is in for him? We'll definitely guarantee a top midfielder. 
also maybe the you know the moment Chelsea really lacking somebody who does really good progressive passes between the lines, really creative, but also can just recycle possession. Uh, I think that that's what Enzo could bring. Maybe Declan Rice isn't quite as good at that. Uh, better at breaking up the play probably, but not as good as that aspect of the game. Um, so yeah, there's there's all there's all those calculations going on. Um, it, it is complicated time. I could also see. I certainly think Chelsea will make one big signing um, beyond Badia Shile, uh, who's who's set to come in any day now. Um, yeah, I think they will make one big signing. Um, I'm just trying to work out who it is. It could even be in a different position, which we'll get into a bit later. But um, I think that that's sort of the calculations. And yeah, you know, it's really hard to renew Kante at the moment because he's injured and you don't know what condition he's going to come back in. So you've got that problem there. Jorginho, um, you know, he's not playing that well. He didn't play that well. Uh, against Nottingham Forest so what do you do there is it a case of you know you know what he's got you, you know he's been around for a long time but it, it's a case of I think also the financial fair play calculations are involved there you know you wouldn't want to lose Jorginho for free if you don't sign Enzo um, he probably would want to keep him but what kind of contract do you want to keep him on do you want him on big wages probably not so it makes it a real big issue on the re- on the renegotiations Jorginho does want to stay. Kante does want to stay. Um, but it might be that Chelsea, with all the money you know, that Chelsea has to spend, are a bit losing their appetite on how much they want to give, what kind of deals. You know, they're short-term deals. I think they've both been offered with you know, salaries below their demands. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of the complication there. I could see Kante maybe even just going with Chelsea's demands because he loves the club that much. but uh, And he maybe has less of a market as well. Um, can say I don't think he's really convinced about moving to other clubs. He's not that bothered about joining a PSG, even though he's French. Um, you know, I think he's quite into the idea of going playing for one of the two big Spanish teams. Um, but what are they going to offer him? Are they going to offer him a deal as good as Chelsea? I saw a poll today as well saying that Barca fans didn't necessarily really want Kante in there. They're worried about his injury record, just as Chelsea fans would be. So. Um, it's it's a really really complicated situation. Barcelona are a complicated club who want who have looked at signing both these players, had negotiations around it, but their finances are a mess. So yeah, it's I, I'm trying to trying to pick an end game here for for what could happen. Um, you know, I think it could well be that Enzo signs um, on some crazy you know instalment deal. Um, they decide to let both Jorginho and Kante go, but. At this stage, it's sort of anyone's guess. I think um, I think maybe the sort of news that's coming out saying, you know, it's basically done um, for Enzo is wrong. It's really complicated to try and get around these FFP issues and, and try and agree as well a fee with Benfica. So I know you mentioned it a few minutes ago, but you mentioned that there are backups that Chelsea are considering. Would you be able to run through the list of who those are or the other backup or in case Enzo breaking case of emergency <laughs> yeah yeah Alexis McAllister is the unimaginative backup the one who played with him at Argentina who played for Graham Potter of course he's uh he's seen as an option um Casado, of course Chelsea have an interest there know how to get that deal done if they if they want to great players both absolutely brilliant players um honestly um keeping Billy Gilmore out of the team who I absolutely love um, and then, yeah, you've got um, you've got sort of your Alvarez's from Ajax. Chelsea obviously made a bid for him on transfer deadline day. Um, but I, yeah, the other thing with Alvarez is that no one really talks about. He's playing quite badly for Ajax. Ajax have been really 
uh, disappointed. I think they're quite high in the table, maybe even top, but they're still not that happy with their performances. Alvarez is getting pretty much a lot of abuse back home. So uh, that kind of thing's going on. And, and, you know, Chelsea's recruitment staff, they've got new people in. So things do shift uh, a lot. So, yeah, Romeo Lavi has been injured for a long time, but Chelsea made a bid for him. Could they go back there? Um, he could have a great end to the season and, and keep Southampton up. If he gets relegated, he could be a great bargain option. And he's seen as a really top talent. And uh, Joe Shields, who's come from Southampton, brought him to Southampton. So he could be bringing him to Stamford Bridge. Um, so there's there's loads of those kind of options sort of beneath the big money ones. Um, I think Chelsea would like one of the big money ones in. They want to win one of those big sort of marquee races. And uh, I think that, you know, you might see that one of these other guys comes in anyway um, as, a, as a secondary option. Um, and I think, are we going to speak about Dennis Zachariah as well now? Because uh, he's got a release clause. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget that. You almost forget that he's an option. <laughs> That's one of the ones that I was going to follow up on too, is just that we've seen him finally start earning time from Potter any thoughts on what we think it would take other than, I think, really a run of really impressive performances continuing to get fit, right. elevate his game, show that he can play at a Premier League level? I think that seems to me like if he does do all of that, it's a no-brainer release clause trigger. But is that how it's being viewed at the club level? Yeah, I think, you know, we're talking the figures for some of these players. Romeo Lavia and uh, Alvarez were like 50 million. So you look at um, Dennis Zachariah, it's 27 million to get him out of Juventus. So it's, you know, by, by comparison, it's uh, peanuts. But maybe it's even too cheap for Chelsea. Certainly, you know, the fans are used to spending a lot of money and stuff, so maybe it's not seen as that popular of an option. But if you've got a player who knows the team, knows the league, um, adapted really well to Potter, um, you know, it would be a great option. I think um, Chelsea have not really, you know, shown their hand on this one. It's, it's a kind of case of weight. It, you know, it didn't feel like he had a lot of love at the club, really. Um, but, you know, that's what I really respect about this guy. He's just sort of stuck at it. Um, been really professional behind the scenes. Um, I don't know if you guys saw. He, um, I, I didn't watch the game, of course. It's behind closed doors, but he played really well apparently against Brentford in a behind closed doors game. Earned his spot in the Bournemouth game. Played well for sixty minutes. Uh, played pretty well against Nottingham Forest, despite it being a pretty terrible performance. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, he's, he's sort of done what you can expect of a guy in his situation you know can he grow even more string together these performances play better against bigger teams certainly I think that would that would turn Chelsea's head but you're not in a rush really to put any of the other midfielders on ahead of him at the minute and, and that says a lot about him um, so I think that he's in the right path I don't think Chelsea have decided anything to do with that clause you know they I think they were I think there's a cynical element that maybe he would be a backup option who could prove himself and I think he's still in that category when they did the deal but yeah let's see I think um, it's a wait and see one it probably will be done in the summer and uh, I think Chelsea might be thinking about it now a bit more than they were you know a few months ago uh, an another quick one Naz uh, obviously Lewis Hall kind of broke through right before the World Cup right had a couple of matches that uh, were man of match s performances seemed really confident seemed really not bothered to be at the level um, and Obviously, haven't seen him since the break, but is this an option that you think is is a realistic one for game time this month, or do you think that they're maybe considering a loan for him to go out and get consistent first team football? I mean, it, it would seem he's another option in a 
midfield that's kind of patchwork right now. Yeah, I don't think Chelsea are in a rush to loan him out. I think they see him quite uh, able to contribute now. Um, he played really well against Aston Villa in that friendly mm-hmm. that was um, you know, shown. Uh, he played in central midfield as well, which is important. And you know, I, he played against an Aston Villa side that was a lot more experienced than Chelsea. So he was probably Chelsea's top performer, along with Amari Hutchinson. In that game, it's kind of a weird game, you know. Armando Breuer got injured. Um, it was it was a shame, um, but he was he was good, um, and he showed he could play against the Premier League midfield. In midfield, he doesn't have to be shipped out to the left because maybe you don't trust him um, in possession of the ball in central areas. Um, I'd like to see Graham Potter maybe trust him a little bit more and throw him in at least off the bench, even against you know decent Premier League teams. Maybe not start him, but get a few more substitute appearances. Um, so yeah, I think that I think that they're really impressed with him. Um, I think they see him almost as a first team player. Um, so yeah, I think everything's open, but I certainly don't think he'll be pushing for a, a loan. I think he's pretty happy with where he is, and but I think you know he wants to push. He, wants, he believes that he's maybe shown he's capable of doing something. So um, just push to get a bit more of appearances here and there. Shame about the Man City draw in the in the Carabao. Um, sorry, in the FA Cup, but. You know, he showed in the Carabao Cup he could play against Man City. So, you know, I'd be, I think every Chelsea fan would be happy to see him start that game. And then last one, because the midfield has been a point of order for some time here. Andre Santa or uh, Andre Santos from Brazil as another midfielder who is coming in a very, very hot young talent from Brazil and South America and seemingly came a little out of nowhere in terms of you know just the understanding of where Chelsea were at but this seems like a deal everyone is excited about in terms of the prospects he can bring and went more under the radar than most of the talent identification uh, maybe that and uh, F- da- uh, David Dottro Fafana as two of the under the radar type of signings that Chelsea have just pulled off in terms of new players yeah exactly yeah I mean it's the type of signing we need to get used to a bit of Chelsea um, kind of like a Dortmund style signing where you go to a, a league or a Bright- Brighton style signing you know going to South America get some kids who you know, isn't really on many people's radars and, and bring him in. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's 18, playing many games in the second division in Brazil. Um, can he contribute right away? It might be tough, but it's definitely, I think it's seen as one for the future. We all know that. Um, I think it's also, you've got to remember that Chelsea have big plans um, to get players in for the future and then also build like a multi-club network. So, you know, you might see him playing in a, maybe on loan for six months, then playing for a team that Chelsea buys. Um, you know, this is what's been sold to these guys. Um, you know, it, also six months at Chelsea, even if you're, you know, you're not playing as much first team football, you can still develop a lot with the coaching, learning the language, um, getting to understand the club, training with the first team. I think that, you know, it was kind of seen that way with Gabriel Slanina coming from the USA um, you know, seeing that we'll look for a loan, but we're not going to desperately throw him into anything, be a backup goalkeeper somewhere. We're going to find him a really good loan uh, if we do get him one. Um, so I think that that's where these guys are set. They've been sold this dream. They're, they're really happy with the dream they've been sold. It shows that Chelsea is a great draw for top young talent. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, there's a few options there. We'll see what comes up. Um, he might even end up back at Vasco because um, the work permit situation might be complicated for him. So uh, not necessarily one who's going to come and contribute. Um, you know, Chelsea already have Casadai, who's absolutely killing it in the 23s, and uh, Carney Chukwameka as well. So don't forget about them. 
Um, maybe we're looking a bit too, uh, you know, we're expecting a bit too much for him to make an immediate impact. So I think maybe even Lewis Hall's better place to, to do that right now. All right, so that ends our conversation around the midfield. It was a long segment, but we got through it, and we've talked about all the names that we wanted to get through. We're going to take a really quick break. We want to thank these sponsors for supporting the show, and then we're going to come right back to the back of it and talk about center backs and right backs. So thank you, sponsors. We are back. Did you hear that a Lionel Messi trading card recently sold for over $500,000 on Golden Auctions? Golden is the leading and most trusted destination for some of the most significant pieces of sports and pop culture collectibles, and better yet, it's not just for high-ticket items. Golden's new always-on marketplace and weekly auctions start at just $5. That means collectors of all kinds can enjoy the same quality, convenience, and seamless user experience that Golden is known for. Whether you are looking to buy, sell, grade, or vault, Golden has something for everyone. It's your one-stop shop destination for the love of collecting. Looking to buy a collectible? Good idea. While the S&P 500 fell by an average of nearly 20%, collectibles like trading cards actually increased in value. Looking to sell a collectible? Now is the time to do it. Golden is offering all sellers up to 50% off marketplace fees before February 17th. Head over to golden.co to get started. That's G-O-L-D-I-N dot C-O to get started. All right, Nick, your favorite place on the pitch, I think. Center backs, defense, right backs. What's going on? What do we want to ask Nazg about? Uh, look, we, we we heard a quick mention, uh, maybe a spoiler, Naz, but uh, Benoit Badiashiel obviously has been uh, popped up. Name that kind of popped up in the summer as well, but but wasn't pursued. Um, it seems like it's pretty close or that it's going to happen. Uh, can you talk us through this one? You know, the, the profile player, obviously a younger player. Um, and then we'll talk about the implications of that signing uh, on a couple of positions in, in the team. Yeah, it might happen by the time this pod goes out. So it does feel <laughs> okay. it does feel like a nailed on one. The medical is booked. The fee is agreed. So uh, we should be in the clear with this one. Um, but yeah, he's a you know good young centre back. People have been tracking him for a while. I know Man United were very interested in him. Um, you know, for some time, um, he's you know seen as one of the top French young talents. They they produce insanely good centre backs. The French, yep. um, playing alongside Fafana at youth level, things like that. This guy um, has a lot of reason to draw him. Um, I've been chatting actually to some of his former teammates, and uh, yeah, just talking a bit about the the move and stuff, just in a friendly way. And, and they've been telling me, yeah, they're really excited about it. You know, he, he had eighteen months left in his deal. That's why it was easy to do in January. January, um, so Monaco had a good option to sell him here, and they were happy to do that. Uh, obviously, I think that they've got a Monaco uh, sporting director as well. One, you know, you can always see the breadcrumbs of where Chelsea have been with the the Monaco sporting director coming in there, uh, Lawrence Stewart. Uh, he he he, no doubt played a part, although he's not at Chelsea just yet. Uh, he's still on gardening leave. So um, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that's gone on behind the scenes to sign this player. Um, I am a little bit surprised by it because I feel like there's a lot of left-sided defenders, but I guess there's concerns over Farnham's fitness. You know, how fit is he even going to be when he comes back? He's been out for so long now. Um, so it's good short-term. Little boost for Chelsea. Um, you know, it's the same with Chilwell as well. He's been out a bit too long, really. It's um, 
quite frustrating um, and maybe they won't be at the level, you know, it could take them a month to play themselves back in. So anywhere near the top level and what you expect, Chilwell also had the ACL. So it's like maybe two months for him, who knows? So this guy can play generally left-sided centre-back, left-footed centre-back, could probably play left-back, probably a good option when you're playing in a back three to be on the left side of it. Uh, all this kind of stuff, that's what you expect from him. The people I've been speaking to know him really well, so he needs to bring a bit more aggression to his game. So he's a 21-year-old centre-back. He's not the finished article. He's come in for many years, 6.5-year deal. Graham Potter's going to work with him. This club's going to work with him, develop him. That's what we all want to see. Uh, but again, don't expect him to be the complete finished article just yet. He does need some work. It's step up a level to Premier League. Uh, and yeah, the people who know him technically have been telling me, really good player, plays out really well, um, reads the game well for his age, but you know needs to be more aggressive in the duels. So I, I think that's something that maybe Chelsea will work work on when they um, when they bring him in the building. And so I would imagine that this would mean the end of a pursuit for... Yasko uh, Gavardial in terms of adding another center back in the summertime? Is that your understanding of the situation too? I would never fully rule it out because it's Chelsea, but um, you know, you're thinking surely, um, surely yes. Uh, yeah. So I think that, you know, I'm not guaranteeing it and, and Gladiol is seen as expensive. It's obvious now the, 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 the amount of money is going to be like a hundred million, the world's most expensive defender. Maguire's record will finally be beaten, the great Harry Maguire. Um, so, uh, yeah, he will move somewhere, maybe not to Chelsea. Um, Man City really like him. Um, that might be the, the favoured option right now. But, yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I wouldn't rule it out completely. Um, anything's possible in Chelsea, as you know. Um, but, yeah, it's not looking likely. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't talk about defenders at Chelsea without trying to figure out the puzzle that is is Reese James's injury and how that kind of changes the team. Obviously, uh, I don't believe anyone went into the season thinking Cesar Espilicueto was going to play as much as he has already and with quite a few matches to go. So it seems like right back and particularly a different profile of right back from Espilicueto is uh, you know, maybe an emergency buy that you need to consider because you don't know if Reese is going to ever be healthy again this year. I mean, he's had quite a few injuries now. So is that a target now for, for Chelsea this window is to go and find a profile of right back that can maybe get up and down a little bit more? I think they might think about it. Um, I think they are thinking about it, but it's like Klopp was saying um, that maybe it's not all monopoly money and there is there is a limit um, so I think Chelsea would love to do one, especially if there was a loan or something like that, um, if they could find a way. Um, but yeah, they're, they're struggling to pay the Enzo uh, fee. So it's like, yeah, how much? How can you? How much can you stretch it more and more? Uh, it's tricky. Um, yeah, Klopp was saying that Liverpool don't have that much to spend because it's like monopoly money. You know, Man United are in the same situation. Arsenal are struggling to get their deal over the line. So I think there is a limit on what Chelsea will do in January. I think they, they they acknowledge that there's something lacking there on the right side of defence. They need one more body. It's not a balanced squad, um, but it's it's about priorities, really. Um, I think that their ultimate choice would be Denzel Dumfries if they could get that done. But to say you're going to do Denzel Dumfries and Enzo Fernandez in January seems like a pipe dream to me. Um, if they really give up on midfielders and start thinking, you know what, we'd actually need a right back more. We're struggling there. You know, if the performance is 
stay poor there. I could see them changing their mind and, and just being like, look, we can get this fullback for 20 million. Let's go and do it. So it, it, I could see them switching, but right now, it, you know, the priority seems to be midfield after already signing a defender and two good youth players. So, um, yeah, I think that that might be, that might be the next option. Um, Juranovic is also, this player's got interest from Chelsea, but um, there's not been much contact. The people who, you know, I've spoken to said that it's not, not concrete right now. It's just sort of interest and, you get that quite a lot. Um, uh, yeah. So I think that that's kind of the situation is that it's on the list. They want one, but you can't, it's tricky. I think some of the problems need coaching solutions um, for Chelsea to really step forward. I mean, is it a sense too, maybe like someone like Dion Rankin could be, you know, a, an option, you know, if you're going to look inward to try to ask the coaches to coach and do the job, maybe that's another in in-house homegrown solution that Chelsea could try and experiment with. And, I guess Potter probably has to figure out the balance of how much youth he wants to have in the squad at any one time. But in terms of maybe the the ability to keep up with the demands of the Premier League, he might be able to scale upward, uh, you know, better than Aspi for kind of the continued duration of games without Reese. I mean, is that maybe another thought? Yeah, it's a great shout. It just takes a bit of bravery from the coach to throw him in, but he's there. He's doing the right things. Uh, I think he's had really good reviews at youth level. Um, you know, Phil probably better place to say it than me, but um, yeah, he scored in that behind closed doors friendly against Brentford. So uh, yeah, he's you know he could be you know he's got a bit of that Lamptey sort of style about him where he's great at getting up and down. Um, can you coach him into something more? Um, that's a coach's job, but yeah, there's there's some raw talent there that could be used, and his contract's expiring as well, so you know it could save the club money. Not just you know you might be losing a guy for free if he doesn't feel there's any love there as well. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on around him. Um, so yeah, it would be interesting if they threw him in. All right, so we're gonna take one more quick break, and then we're gonna get into the attack. We're gonna go back to the front of the lineup, but uh, stay tuned for just a moment, and we'll be right back after these ads. All right, so Naz, not to put, uh, not like we're putting undue pressure on Todd Bowley and company, but uh, the stats that we pulled are not very kind, and so just there are the stats, there are reality. Chelsea have taken the six fewest shots and shots on target and have scored only 20 goals in the Premier League this season, which that is half as many as the league leaders' arsenal. What sense is there that if there's an attacker that they like on the market in January, that they are going to go after him? And this is beyond knowing that we have Nkuku coming in on the summer and then uh, Fafana, who's just joined. Yeah, and Nkunku coming in the summer kind of ties your hands a little bit, and then you've got Armando Breuer coming back for next season as well. So you're like... Do we get in a striker that's gonna, you know, be maybe second rate but have a bit of an impact this season? A big man who can score a few goals. Um, I think that there's a bit of concern around getting that type of striker in. You know, if you got him on a five-year deal, you're struggling to sell him. His contract's large. Um, you've got a lot of bodies in there anyway. Um, so I think that you know there's an acknowledgement that Chelsea would like and ideally want a striker, but a short-term deal would really be ideal. And there's an obvious option in there is Jao Felix, but there's not been a lot of interest around him so far because um, the loan fee scene is quite expensive. Um, and uh, yeah, he's been shipped around, he's been offered. Chelsea are very close to uh, you know George Mendes, his agent, who is also Cristiano Ronaldo's agent, who's also helping Chelsea with the Enzo Fernandez deal um, because he kind of introduced 
Chelsea to uh, the club Benfica, Portuguese club, of course. So uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of connection there. Uh, there's a lot. Of, it's a great option, uh, João Felix, but it just seems a bit expensive, a bit risky. Uh, it's not quite the right profile of striker either. You know, you're looking at the kind of striker Chelsea needed to beat Nottingham Forest. It would have been somebody to head in that cross that Hakim Ziyech put in late on. So that's the kind of striker Chelsea needs. You know, João Felix wouldn't have headed that in. He wouldn't have really been in there. Um, so uh, it's, it's, January is a difficult window. It's always been like this. Um, and yep. teams always want strikers in January, always. And Chelsea want a striker in January. But actually doing it, especially on a short-term deal, it's pretty hard. There's not a lot of money to work with. You're trying to sign a midfielder. That's kind of how I see the situation. So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, is it a case of muddling through? Possibly. I think that Potter also is getting a bit frustrated with the transfer window. It's his first one as a Chelsea manager. And uh, you don't want to make excuses. You don't want to say my strikes aren't good enough because it sends a bad message to Aubameyang and, and Havertz who are struggling, aren't they? Um, I know Havertz scored the other day, but you know he was really, really, really poor against Nottingham Forest. So it's kind of a really delicate balance in that this one as well. Um, and yeah, the, the two the sort of Brozier and and Kunku situations make it delicate. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about like the profile. You obviously. <laughs> the minute you said you needed someone to head that in, I was like, well, we had him and his name was Olivier Giroud and uh, he was here for a while and quite good. Uh, is there is there a Giroud-like profile out there that you've heard bantered around that it could be a potential solve for Chelsea or is it is it really just Felix or, or nothing right now? I don't know. It just the only really Felix that I can think of, maybe Memphis, but again, he's not that kind of player either. He likes to get on the ball. So, yeah, um, those are the kind of options. It's kind of like you're waiting to see who's in the recycle bin from a big club. That's what you want. You want a Giroud. Giroud's the ideal option. You just mentioned him. You want somebody like that. But like when I'm doing my rounds and thinking about it, I'm trying to get people to talk. There's like no names are forthcoming at the minute. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of waiting for some names to drop into my inbox, drop into my DMs and, uh, yeah, for it to be actually a concrete one. You know, I, I don't want to serve up any names just yet of you know, like wild herrings. But yeah, a Giroud type is exactly what we want. Chelsea did Giroud in January and it made a great impact. So yeah, that's what we're after. If um, if Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, if Barcelona have players that are desperate to get rid of, that's that's kind of what, what might happen. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, Man United signed a, Odin Agallo that one one year um, on loan from a Chinese club. Uh, you know, there's there's those kind of options as well that you know maybe seen second second rate, but maybe they could score like five goals, and five goals could be enough to you know get you in the top four or or make you achieve some cup you know aim. So it's uh, I think that's the kind of deal we're looking at when we're talking strikers. Is a bit you know bottom of the barrel, something with a bit you know a bit of a problem with it, but you know maybe it'll turn out to be value and help Chelsea. And are we? At the fact, are we accepting that there's probably no outgoings happening from a attacker standpoint during the January window with Broya getting injured, with some of the performances maybe not being up to snuff? And if no one comes in, Potter is going to need to recycle and try to just get people into a hot form and then go from hot hand to hot hand to hot hand or hot foot to hot foot to hot foot to figure out who his best option is at the moment? Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's a case of, you know, he's got to put all that stuff out of his mind and work it out. And I think 
it'll be quite interesting what happens with Datro Fofana as well. I don't think he's necessarily desperate or definitely going out on loan. Um, I think we're going to talk about him anyway. But uh, yeah, he's got um, PSV loan interest um, according to some sources out there in in Netherlands. So um, yeah, I think that 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 could be an option. But maybe it's a case of wait till later in the window, see if other people come up, and if not, then maybe keep him around and just use him as an impact player, which would be quite good for him. Big step up, Mulder to Chelsea, but. You know, he's got physicality. We've seen him. Everyone's saying he's Drogba 2.0. Um, no pressure, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that that's it. But yeah, I think what ideally, you know, Havertz is 23 years old. You want him to start scoring. You want him to be the player he can be. I mean, Potter even mentioned it the other day. He's doing it for Germany. Um, scoring decent numbers of goals, like goal per game in international levels, good. So why can't you do it here at Chelsea? Um, that's the big question. I know Havertz is really working hard, really working at his game. Um, there might be a psychological element. You know, he 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 finds it hard when he doesn't hit. You know, realize his level doesn't do what he sets himself out to do. I've met him a few times and stuff, and um, you know, he, he really plays himself down. He doesn't talk himself up after big goals, but um, you know, he expects to be scoring nearly every week, and he's had a few streaks like that, but. Um, you know, he wants to really, really put together a good streak and not just be, you know, even it starts to annoy him about the Champions League final goal, you know, at this rate, because he wants to move on. He wants to be seen as more than that. So, um, yeah, there is there is a player there. Um, I think that that's what Chelsea need. I think that's what Potter needs. I think Potter likes him, but, you know, he needs the goals to start flowing. And just maybe one last thing on Fafana before we talk about the last section is just... Would you be surprised if with the two matches coming up back-to-back against Man City, one being a cup match, that he maybe gets a cursory 15, 20-minute run out and just so Potter can assess, do I have something here that I might be able to use before we get out onto a loan? No, I think we know we the evidence shows that Potter will try everything to win this match. You know, he won't. Remember the Dynamo Zagreb game when there was a lot of youth talent that could have played in that match, but Chelsea were worried about their form and he went strong um, because he needed to try and get a run, try and break a negative cycle. We're in a negative cycle. The atmosphere is a bit negative. Um, certainly felt that around the last, you know, this Nottingham Forest game. So I think that these two games are going to be a case of we're just going to try and do anything to upset Man City, to shock them um, and and causing problems, try and create some good feeling because the last thing you want to be doing is is experimenting against a, you know, a big team, even if it is a cup competition. Uh, that leaves us with the last position on the pitch, and I know Brandon would not be happy that it's going last in this podcast, but uh, here we are. Um, something for the future, but something that is is coming up and will be a, a thing to deal with this summer for, for Chelsea is, is all around goalkeepers, right? We know... Uh, Kepa Mendy, future goalkeeper to be named later, uh, is is kind of up in the air right now. Obviously, you know, Mendy was seen as the incumbent and then has dropped off. His form has dropped off pretty significantly from that from that Champions League run a couple of years ago. Kepa has been pretty decent uh, for the most part. And, you know, I think was, was maybe not great yesterday on the on the forest goal. So maybe a little crack in the armor there. Two main questions here. One, is Potter going to be comfortable with Keppa plus goalkeeper to be named later beyond this season? Or is there a chance that Mendy you know, either goes or becomes the number one again? Because I, I don't think you 
beyond the season can have both of them in the in the team i think it's funny actually this subject because uh if we did the podcast like um maybe in september maybe in october i feel like goalkeepers would have been a much higher up the agenda but it's dropped right down um i think that chelsea are pretty happy with kepper's form i think that they think he's doing well um a lot of the data i was looking at some of the data i think he's got the best save percentage in the league um, something that they do look at at Chelsea. Um, Mendy as well is seen as a good option. Um, but the only the only problem with the goalkeeper situation is that it's quite hard to balance these two. Um, Mendy's been used to being the number one um, and he might get quite frustrated with being a number two. So I think that that's where some of the problem lies. Um, there's also kind of need, do you give him a contract or not? Um, you know, after, uh, you know, he's done really well for Chelsea. He's on probably too low money, but... At the same time, he's not number one again, so he might have just missed the chance to renegotiate his deal. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's it's an awkward one, this one. I think that, yeah, it's very much a summer job, um, if it even happens then. I think Potter doesn't really mind. I think he's this is one of his least big problems in his head. This is Potter's happy with the goalkeepers. It's it's not an issue for him, really. Um, Kepa's doing great building out from the back as well. Uh, that's not too much of an issue. So, um, yeah. I think that Chelsea had it massively on their agenda. We're looking at options and stuff, but um, yeah, I think that it's sort of fallen below striker. It's fallen below the right back, um, exactly for the reasons we spoke about. Um, so yeah, I think that maybe you know someday there'll be a new big new goalkeeper, but it would make me really happy. I'd be, I'd love it if it was a full Kepa redemption story, really a full one. He becomes like one of the top goalkeepers in the world. Still think he can do it. Um, he'll never face such problems he ever had, you know, that season that, you know, under Lampard, you know, it's traumatic for him, horrible. He had to reinvent his game. I, I'd love to see that redemption story be completed. People comfortable with Kepa as a number one uh, and not looking beyond him. Um, and uh, I think that that's possible. It might mean Mendy's sold. It might mean you sign on your number two, um, but it saves the club a ton of money um, if that's situation. And I think also, you know, we're talking a lot about money here. Chelsea need to, you know, get back into selling players for good money at the right time. And maybe it'll be a case of Mendy. It'll be his time to be sold, you know, in the summer. I know he's great. We we all love him, what he's done for the club. Um, but, you know, it could be a case of let him go on a new adventure, let him, let Kepa be number one um, and, and and just say thank you very much. Goodbye. You're, you're, you're a legend. You won us the Champions League. All right, now, so... As we round out this episode, is there anything else that you're keeping an eye on in this transfer window that we haven't brought up as a this target, this name, this position? I think we've covered all of it, but I have to ask because if we miss something, we're going to hear about it in the replies. We're going to hear about it. You're going to hear about it in your DMs, and we got to keep those free for all of the hot transfer news to be landing in there. Yeah, there's a few bits and bobs. You know, I'd still say Fafana, looking at Datro Fafana, if he goes on loan, um, looking at that kind of situation with those young signings. Um, it could be a case of a uh, similar thing with um, some of the youngsters as well. I don't think many of them will go on loan, but it's more Jude Soonsuk Bell has interest from Man City uh, to join their academy teams or go and play for a City football group team. Um, you know, you've got Webster and Rankin as well, contracts expiring. Um, what are they, what's going to happen there? Um, you know, there's been some rumours about Webster 
you know, going to Holland and stuff like that. So uh, it could be options um, for him. Um, I think, that, yeah, you know, if Chelsea is signing so many players, it tends to unsettle the academy lads and they tend to want to look for moves. You know, they had it in that great summer of exodus uh, that we had where, you know, Chelsea lost Liveramento, among others. Um, so you, you could see that replicated and that's, that's quite interesting. Um, and maybe... You know, Gabriel Salonina is still at the club. You know, he, he's, we're talking goalkeepers. Like, what's his future? Um, I think he, he's very similar to the others where he could stay uh, around, um, maybe get registered at the end of the transfer window. I wouldn't see him playing in January, um, but maybe gets registered as a backup or, or something like that later on. So, uh, yeah, um, all that's quite interesting, I think. All right. Well, Naz, thank you so much for joining us on the second day of the year to help, re, you know, inject some positivity back into the Chelsea supporter fan base as we think about what's left to come, as we think about the potential that could still exist there. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we look forward to chatting to you, uh, I imagine, at some point later this month as the deals continue to happen. Yeah, the future is bright. It might feel painful right now, but yeah, keep looking forward. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for us, Chelsea fans. Thank you so much for your time, your appreciation, your dedication to keeping us uh, plugged in to uh, your ear holes or however you're listening to this. I don't know. But uh, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.